0: We left off uh, opening up in, in this uh, study on the uh, kind of looking at the parallel of the early church and the uh, church in the later stages. And so uh, what we want to do, uh, and, and I stole this from somebody uh, that actually works at my job, but I thought they, they had a good uh, uh, overview on how the book of Acts is laid out, and you can kind of see that. Uh, as you look at it early in the book. So go with me real quick over to Acts chapter 1. And I want to show you something here. And We read over this, I think last week, but we read right past it. I didn't emphasize it while we were there. But this will tell you why we have this visual, which we don't always give you visuals, but you have one here today. Can you guys see that? Well, somewhat, as good as, as good as can be. <laughs> Our our screen needs to be a little bit bigger. Uh, But what you have here is a map of of Israel. And as you see, the different regions uh, within the country of Israel and some of the surrounding uh, nations. But read with me in in Acts chapter one. It says the former uh, treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passions by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they uh, should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which uh, saith he... You have heard of me. Now, remember, last week we talked about this confusion that the disciples had on what they were supposed to do. And we see instruction given to them here of what to do in the very moments following his ascension. Did he say uh, go to the ends of the earth here? No, he said, wait at Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to give them further instruction as we go forward in verse five for truly uh, for John truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him saying, Lord, and really here you can say they kept on asking him. It was an iterative type thing that they were doing in this conversation. They kept on asking him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And so their focus was not on the things that were going on here as it pertains to the church. Their focus was was on those things that they had been given uh, from the time they were raised as little children uh, in the uh, Jewish law, that they were to wait for the kingdom uh, from the heavens to come. And so in in verse seven, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put into his own power, but you shall receive power after that uh, the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem, now pay attention here, in Jerusalem, where he told them to stay and wait, and in all of Judea. And so you see the province here, and we're going to set that up in a minute. And then in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, as you read through the book of Acts, you will see it develop just like this. Everything starts in Jerusalem. And then they expand out to Samaria, and then they expand out uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so as you uh, look at, uh, well, here, let me get my pointer. You look at the area of Judea here. Jerusalem is a city within that region. This whole region is Judea. Then you have Samaria. And then you have uh, all the rest of, uh, of the traveling of the earth. So we're going to see that the, the gospels spread out. From, from Judea. And that's a part of uh, what we want to look at here. So as you look at the book of Acts, it's broken out just like that. You see the day of Pentecost, they in Jerusalem. All of these people from all of these other areas, the Jews that have been spread out and dispersed, come back where? To Jerusalem. And they're able to see the coming event of the Holy Spirit and able to believe as a result of that. Now they're going to carry off this message to Samaria, And all the rest of the earth is is a part of this uh, as a result. And so um, we'll see it broken down that way. Uh, Now, what we want to start looking at first here, and on page one of your notes, we have uh, just this last portion. And so for those of you that weren't here last week, uh, we we just have two points left to make on this first page, but we'll make them. And so we want to start to look at the early church, and that's why we're here uh, in the book of Acts. But let's bow in a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we're grateful uh, again for this day and uh, the time that we're able to be here and be together uh, and to look into your word. Uh, Grateful for the truth is in it and the world is uh, full of uh, lies and deceit and people who are trying to hide truth, but your word stands as true and we can go to it um, and know uh, truthfully who the God of the universe is and how he's interacted uh, with his people. We pray that as we Uh, continue through this study. It might uh, help in our understanding of of the origins of what we believe uh, and and what uh, has come to be uh, the Christian life that we live out so we can uh, do it better in the present. Uh, We're grateful for all these things that you provide, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so the establishment of the church, uh, as you think about it, Uh, it's there present in the Gospels and alluded to by the Lord. And we can go to a lot more verses, but I just want to uh, hit up on a couple very important ones. So go back with me to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And we know that the church wasn't established while the Lord was on the earth because his death, burial, and resurrection was central to the foundation of the church. However, Uh, He did allude to it several times while he was here on the earth. And here you see him uh, talking with Peter and and talking about the foundation of the church. Now, there's a certain uh, part of Christianity, and I don't know uh, centrally how much of them are part of Christianity. That's for God to understand. But they get this verse very wrong, I think. And they come to. Uh, believe certain things that they believe based based on this verse right here and the misunderstanding of this verse. Now, Some of you might have picked up on who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to call out anyone here. Uh, we'll look at this verse. Pick it up in uh, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea uh, of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say uh, I, the son of man, am? And they said said unto him, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or that Elias there is Elijah, and others, uh, Jeremiah, or other, uh, one of the other prophets. He said unto them, But who say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so you hear, see here Peter making a proclamation to the fact that he believes that this is the Messiah that was supposed to come. Now, imagine again and remember back these people from the time that they are raised as children are taught certain things that they're supposed to be looking for. They're supposed to be looking for a Messiah that is to return to establish a kingdom on this earth for them. And so Peter believes that Jesus is this individual. And so he he proclaims it in verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon bar or really there you could just say the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that you are Peter. Now watch for the word play here because we just see a name, Peter. But that name Peter means something. Now we give kids names today because they sound good. Or we give kids names uh, based on who they came from, uh, maybe it 's their father, maybe it 's someone else in your family lineage that you want to name that kid after to honor a different person, but they gave people names for reasons, those names meant something, so as you look at the name Peter, it comes from the word Petras, which means a small little pebble, a little pebble of a stone, and so he says, "You are peter, and up on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, or really there be strong uh, against it. And so what what does certain people say? They say, you are Peter, a little pebble, but upon this rock, this big, giant, boulder, foundation-building rock, I will build my church. And so certain people say he was talking about Peter, Right? You're the small little pebble, but you're going to become the foundation of the church. Does that make sense to anybody in this room? I didn't think so. I knew you guys were (laughs) were tracking with me. No, this big rock of Gibraltar foundation is him. He said, you are Peter, little pebble, and upon this foundation, this big giant rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so it has nothing to do with Peter and Peter's ability to be the foundation or the building block of the church. The building block of the church is Jesus. Now, how can I say this? Is that just my opinion or does scripture validate what I'm telling you here? Uh, Go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 3, excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. Now, what uh, Paul is is speaking of here, remember back to the Corinthians, if you've been in the uh, Bible study uh, training, which the, the pastor finally worked his way through 1 Corinthians He did a great job, but he was here many years ago in in chapter three, and he did a good job of breaking down some of the problems that were going on at Corinth. There are people that are honoring people rather than honoring God and saying, I prefer this individual because he speaks well. or I prefer this individual because I have a personal relationship with him. And Paul is saying there is no division in the church. We didn't build the church ourselves. One person had this role that he utilized over here. God brought this person along to bring that individual to another place and so on and so forth. But it's God that's causing that individual to grow. Has nothing to do with the power of the individual. In verse one, it says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither are you now able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas is among you envying and strife and divisions, uh, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, uh, uh, excuse me, and another, I am of Apollos, excuse me, I've read that wrong. Uh, Are you not carnal? (laughs) Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers? through whom you have believed, even as the Lord gave unto every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. And so what is he saying here? Paul went around to these different churches and established them in the gospel. And then God brought other people along that were able to help these people to grow. It's a working together, but it's God that's causing the individuals to grow. And so if you look at the picture there of a plant, Someone could come along and plant a plant in the ground, and another person could have the role of coming along and watering that plant. but is it any of those individuals that's causing that plant to grow? No, it's the the established things that are already there that causes that plant to grow, and those are from God. Um, in verse seven, so then, neither is it he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. We are you are His husbandry. You are uh, God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay. Than that which is laid, which is Peter, <laughs> no, I did that for a effect <laughs> seeing if you guys were awake. you <laughs> know it's Jesus Christ, he is the foundation of our salvation. There is no one else that is there as far as our salvation is concerned. He's the foundation, and so uh we are or the church was established upon this basis and not of any man. And so as we look at salvation in the early church, you see uh, the gospel preaching and confirmation. And so as uh, some were saved during Christ's earthly ministry and brought into grace, but it's by the facts of the gospel. Uh, And many were saved while Christ was on the earth and lived after the resurrection. So think about this. There were a lot of believers that came into this dispensation of grace, and I say it again unashamedly, this dispensation of grace, because it's in scripture, uh, and, and they had already been saved before they came into it. Think about all of the disciples. Think about many of the ones that were following him while he was on the earth. They had believed while Christ was here, and then they came into this thing, and something else happened as far as receiving the Holy Spirit. But if you had been saved... It, within this dispensation, you're kind of saved in a different way than those were saved, right? Uh, and so we see uh, the laying on of hands happening to some people. We see some people just receiving the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. We see some people that believed and then the apostles had to come and lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so you see a lot of different things going on there. Uh, but look with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6. And we look at some of this group of individuals. That were already saved and came in. Now think about all of these that were witnesses to the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. Um, And they saw it. (laughs) They got to see it up close and personal. So that it's not like us who are receiving the message secondhand. These people saw it. They saw him walking the earth. They saw him living and saw all the miracles that he did. And then they saw him put to death. And how devastating must that have been? But how glorious must it have been when he rose from the grave again on the third day? And we see this here in verse 1 of chapter 15. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that which I have preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also receive, how that Christ died on behalf of our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, there's Peter, then of the twelve. And so, Not that Peter wasn't part of the 12, but he he points him out and then says the rest of the uh, disciples also saw him. After that, he was also seen of 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And so he goes on and names other people that saw him after that. But you see, there's a large group of people that saw the Lord and were witnesses uh, to his resurrection that had already believed. And now they saw this actually come to pass and be carried out. I believe a lot of those are going to be present as we get into Acts chapter two and look at the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so this is building up those that were there, those that were there at the start uh, of, of the Holy Spirit coming. We also see that Christ gave those saved during his earthly ministry the right to be sons of God. Go with me over to John chapter one and verse 12. Now, it's important to note here a very important thing that he's saying. Those that were saved that lived all the way after Christ's death, burial and resurrection, he gave them the right to become sons of God. And so if you uh, saw that death, burial and resurrection and and were uh, a part of the coming of the Holy Spirit, you became a son of God because you were baptized by the Holy Spirit and then placed into the family of God. Uh, No other person could say that. So let's say you believe the facts of the gospel or not the facts of the gospel, but you believe during Christ's earthly ministry Uh, and then you died before he resurrected. Uh, You would go to heaven. Sure. But you would not be part of this church of God that has a right to be called a son of God. And so that's a, a very important thing to see. And so we see that here in this context where he says, They were given the uh, right or the authority to become sons of God. Pick it up in uh, verse. Pick it up in verse eight. He said he was uh, not that light, but was sent to bear witness to that light. And speaking of John the Baptist, that that was uh, the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And really here you could say he came unto his own things. And it's speaking of a neuter here, uh, of an object. But his own people, masculine, uh, his own people you could say, received him not. Uh, and so we just see own in scripture and we think that those are both the same owns. One is, is a neuter, and so it's speaking of an object. One is masculine, so it's speaking of of people, and so he came unto his own creation, but his own people received him. Not verse twelve, but as many as were received or as received him, to them he gave the authority. That word for power is not just our, our regular power word of dunamis, but it's exousia. He gave them the authority, the right uh, to become born ones of God, even as or to them that believe into or upon His name, uh, and so. Uh, Those that were were uh, saved during the gospel or during the uh, uh, Lord's earthly ministry had the right to be born into the family of God. Yet it didn't happen until after they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And how could you be baptized by the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit came? And so that was the importance of of the events on the day of Pentecost. So we see also that uh, new converts. Brought into uh, or brought in through the apostles, and so many were brought in uh, after the Lord's resurrection. And we see that. Go with me over to Acts chapter 41. We're gonna actually, I keep doing it. Acts chapter 2 <laughs> and verse 41. <laughs> there must have been some more scriptures that were written <laughs> that you guys weren't privy to. <laughs> It's in my head. <laughs> um, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Thank you for keeping me sharp. <laughs> and so what you see here is after the coming of the Holy Spirit, this this message that was preached by Peter to kind of tell these people what was happening. Now, we look on the other side of it and everything looks natural. And, and this is just how things played out to us, right? Because we believe God's word and we believe it's true. But imagine you were a person that was sitting there on this day. You see or hear this sound. You may or may not have heard it. I don't know if everybody heard it. But this sound comes down and these people just start acting differently. They're speaking in different languages uh, that they never spoken before. What would you think was going on? I'll tell you what they thought was going on. They thought they were drunk. <laughs> they said, what in the world is going on here? And Peter has to break down to them what is happening. Uh, now, this we're going to see as we come back to it. We're not emphasizing it right now, but we're going to see this is where some of the misteachings of Scripture comes from. This misunderstanding of the events from the very start that we're going on uh, on the day of the, Pente- of the on the day of Pentecost. But pick it up in. Pick it up in verse 14. We're going to read uh, quite a bit here. Um, I think we have enough time to, to finish it off. We'll probably end here. But uh, in verse 14, and remember right after in verse 13, it says others mocking, saying these men are full of new wine. And so they saw all of these people speaking different languages. And imagine you you don't know other languages. You don't know what people are speaking if they're speaking in other languages. So you might think what's going on with these people might be the same reaction. Some people have if they go into churches and see people Uh, quote-unquote speaking in different languages, but uh, pick it up in verse 14. He says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, remember here, the region and all of the people uh, that have come from in that area, and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken my words, For these men are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, that one always makes me chuckle a little bit here. He's saying it's a little early for them to start getting drunk. So it's not the drunkenness uh, that you're thinking it is. In verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, understand here, we're not going to go back to the the, uh, scripture, but you can go back to Joel chapter 3 and verses uh, 1 through 5 to get The hint of what he's talking about here. What he's saying is this is not fulfillment of everything that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Even people in Israel, as I understand, understand this, that some Old Testament prophecies have partial fulfillments. He's not saying that this whole thing is fulfilled here before you today. Because what Joel was talking about is what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation period before the coming of the Lord. So how could these things have all been fulfilled if the Lord hasn't come yet? Uh, And so we see this here in verse 17. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and upon my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath uh, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be uh, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. Uh, I don't think in this context we see anything where the sun was turned dark or any of these things that he's talking about here. Verse twenty one. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did through him in the midst of you, as you uh, yourselves also know him being delivered by the determinative counsel and foreknowledge of God. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up, and have loosed, having loosed, loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I shall not be moved. Therefore did I, my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because I will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. So he speaks here of a, another Old Testament prophecy that was made. Now, this one happened to be fulfilled. Right. And so we know that David wasn't speaking concerning himself. And Peter is going to say that in this context. David has been dead for many thousands of years or hundreds of years. So he couldn't have been speaking of himself. He had to be pointing to someone else. In verse 29, men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you uh, of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and in his sepulcher uh, or his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ. And really there we could say the Christ to sit on his throne. And why do I say the Christ? Because he's talking about the Messiah. Um, and, and we see that here in verse 31. Um, he that before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. Neither his flesh did see corruption. Now, what's the importance of, of the Lord being resurrected on the third day? It's the fact that he he didn't corrupt his body wasn't corrupted his body didn't go through the process of decay that normal bodies go through and that's why he raised up on the third day and we see this here in verse thirty two uh, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses therefore being at by the right hand or really they're in the right hand of God exalted. And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this, which you have seen or which you see and hear. Uh, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy uh, foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, uh, when they heard this, these things, really, uh, they were pricked in the heart. And Peter said unto them uh, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Or they said under Peter, excuse me, Uh, in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the uh, promise is unto you and to your children and to all uh, that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many uh, other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward uh, generation. And verse 41, we see the result. Then they that uh, gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so you see here the gospel clearly given and broken down from those things that they would have understood from the Old Testament. And what is the result of it? They believed and were saved and received the Holy Spirit. And so here you see the start of it. Where? In Jerusalem. Just like the Lord said. Uh, And so these are events are going to keep playing out right here in Jerusalem until it starts to expand into uh, Samaria. Now, one of the other important things I wanted to note coming through here before I leave, and we will have a time for uh, another verse, um, is the fact that one thing you can take out of this context is the kingdom was again being offered to Israel here. Now, I won't pound the pulpit with it, but it's something you can understand. That he said here, if they would have all believed the whole of Israel, then at this time the kingdom could have come to them again, and the Lord that just went up could have come right back down and established the kingdom on this earth. But theoretically, what you see is only some of them believing. Uh, it says uh, uh, in verse forty that that uh, it was a verse forty. I believe that uh, some of them believe, not the whole that were there. I can't remember what, where the verse was when we were reading through. Um, but you you see the potential of the kingdom, and we're going to uh, continue to expand that. I just wanted to plant that seed in your mind uh, as we come back and, and get into this context in a little bit more detail. Now, we also see over in Acts chapter 4, in verse 4, uh, through the message of Peter, after the healing of the lame man, uh, that again, others are saved. Um, I don't know if we might, might want to bite that one off. that's quite a again another long message. yeah let's let's save that one for next week and we'll come back to it. but um, you know again, we see a, a message given here or given here by Peter and then people saved right after uh, that message is given. Uh, so what we want to do is again, just be able to develop how the gospel was given here early and people believing those facts of the gospel uh, and being saved. And we're going to look at how people receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we'll see that those things were different. Uh, and then we're going to uh, get into some other elements of this early church. But uh, let's bow in a word of prayer there and we'll close out. Father, we're grateful uh, again uh, that you uh, did send your son to die on behalf of us. Uh, and not just to die, but to be raised again. And by that we have power. Uh, we have a foundation established for us uh, in this life. Uh, regardless of ourselves. And we're grateful for the fact that you also uh, didn't just stop at the work that was done by the Son, but you baptized us with your Holy Spirit that we can uh, be born into your family and not just uh, adopted uh, kids like it uh, incorrectly uh, states in Scripture, but we are placed as sons uh, into your family and have the right to be uh, ones that are inheriting the things that are promised to those that are saved. Uh, We're grateful for this. We're grateful for uh, the uh, way that you developed from the early church to what we have today. And we're grateful that uh, we don't have to rely on any of our ability. Uh, You've given us everything that we need uh, to be able to, uh, as it says in scripture, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's you that's energizing in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So we pray as we go into the week that we would Uh, Be where we need to be so that we can do what you would desire for us to do and that you might get the glory. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.